0: I'm Charlie Roman, I'm David Todd, and welcome to the Bucks Dugout Podcast.
1: Welcome
2: to the Bucks Dugout Podcast. He's Charlie, I'm David. Charlie, today we got a special guest in the second half, and we're going to preview the St. Louis Cardinals series, which is now looking like a reasonably important series here for the Pirates.
0: That's right, and to preview the series, we're going to have Dan Moore of Vive Albertos and SB Nation St. Louis. And because we forgot to mention this in the second half, you can follow him on Twitter at Dan Up. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about the Cardinals series, which is, which is, like David says, now seeming very important because we've the Pirates have lost 2-3 or three so far against the Phillies as they head into a game this afternoon against Kyle Kendrick to finish off the series. Um, before we move on to that, though, David, let's talk a little bit about last night's game. Very bizarre game. Pirates jumped all over the Phillies pitching, uh, which was pretty much expected, given that they were starting Raul Valdez, a a reliever. But then some bad defense starts to be their undoing in the late innings, and they turn to Brad Lincoln to to shut it down, and he does big time. How big was that for you?
2: Uh, Charlie, it's funny. I mean, I know you and I were conversing on – we were texting each other back and forth, and I think I said to you – uh, the pitch where he got uh, the first out of the inning, it was a 3-2 pitch with guys on first and second. I think it was Hunter Pence, but I, I could be wrong on that. But he, he struck whoever it was. He struck him out well, kind of on a check swing, curveball in the dirt. Great pitch, got the strikeout, and I said to you right there, the game's over. Fortunately, uh, you know, they, we all make silly statements like that, but fortunately <laughs> it turned out to be true, and Lincoln did a great job. I mean, I, I think you framed the game the right way. They came into this game uh, having lost three in a row, And all of a sudden, I'm looking at the schedule saying, you know, this is a pretty big game. I mean, I don't like to put just – I don't want to put any undue significance on any particular game at this point in the season. But all of a sudden, you say, uh, A.J. Burnett's going against Kyle Kendrick tomorrow, which is now today on Thursday. And you say, well, you know, if James McDonald loses this game, there's a hell of a lot of pressure on A.J. Burnett to win Thursday afternoon because the reality is the Cardinals uh, are playing really good baseball, as we're going to hear – and you're going to throw Kevin Correa, Jeff Karstens, and Eric Bedard in St. Louis. And if you're the Cardinals, you look at that and say, look, this is a possible sweep situation, just like when the Royals came into Pittsburgh or some of these other things. I mean, that's how they got to be looking at it. So I'm sitting there watching this game with James McDonald, and it's 8-2, to and I signed off Twitter, and I took some uh, load of crap later in the game for saying, <laughs> this one's in the bag, I'm going to prepare for Thursday's day game. And next thing you know, it's 8-7. And you said it just right. J-Mac didn't have his best stuff. And Michael McHenry in the post game said, you know, J-Mac gutted this out. He said, I'm going to just have to work through this. He said last year he would have struggled a lot more than he did. <clears throat> I think Clint took him out at the right time. I got no problem with how that all went. James McDonald's, uh, you know, deserves as much as anybody on this team, a chance to kind of underperform. He's been so good all year. And as soon as they came out with that stat, 14 straight starts with three or less earned runs. Of course, you knew that was by the boards. So he gives up four runs, and and, and you said it. The defense was atrocious. Pedro botches a play. Uh, Jose Tabata botches a play, and McGee doesn't get off first base like you wrote about in the in the write up. And it's eight seven. And yeah, I think it was really big. I think it was really big uh, for two reasons. One is Brad Lincoln can come in and get a strikeout. He'll be the guy now that you know rather than Chris Resop, that they go to in those situations. Mm-hmm. Grilly and Hanrahan got it done, and, and they scored 11 runs. Let's not overlook that. They, they faced some bad pitching. The Phillies' bullpen's been pretty bad all year long, and they really put it to them. So, uh, yeah, it's too bad it got close, but, my God, I think people would be hanging themselves today if they lost.
0: Yeah, I mean, you don't want to head into a series of, with St. Louis after dropping three of four to the Phillies or even getting swept by the Phillies. That's uh, true that the Pirates' schedule gets a lot easier, in july with tons of games against the astros and cardinals which is going to be great but you don't want them you know heading into in the the next month being down five or six games after you know having to play a very good st louis team i think i you know st louis you could maybe make the case that they're the best team in the national league right now
2: i think they are i think they are
0: yeah so i you know it's this might be a series where the pirates it look you know you never know what's going to happen in a short series, but it looks like there's the potential for them to take a beating a little bit, and it's important that that they stay on track here against the Phillies and and Brad Lincoln really helped them do that uh, last let night. Me,
2: let me ask you now does does uh, what Lincoln did in any way shape or form just cement his status in the bullpen for you know for more than the time being? I mean I I'm fully of the view that. Clint Hurdle and Neil Huntington didn't make this move as a two-week type move. This is a move that I kind of expected would be the case for the rest of the year. But does and do you agree with that? And does last night kind of maybe just put that more in stone than it even might have been?
0: Well, it's hard to say. I mean, of course, that's what we – I mean, him being in the bullpen is – is something that you and I I think both are are already we're already pretty excited about given the way he threw out of there earlier in the year. You never really know at this point though what they're going to be doing in 2 weeks. I mean this is a team that is you know in this afternoon's game Drew Sutton is starting in left field and leading off. You know, I mean who would have seen that coming? Right. You know a couple, a, couple a, week weeks ago, ago. A, week, a week ago. I mean there just seems to be this and and I can't I I can't really disagree with it but there just seems to be this, you know, relentless you know, playing the hot hand um, going on with a lot of aspects of this team, but which is fine. You know, which is score cool. that.
2: Yeah, we're for that or against that. I mean, I think we're for that.
0: Right. I mean, I can't really argue with it. I mean, I, I think that that uh, you know, Clint Hurdle's gotten a lot of, of mileage out of this team, probably in situations where he shouldn't necessarily have been able to do that. When he's when he's you know, uh, Josh Harrison's got a hot streak. Great, he starts for a week, and that seems to work out fine. Now it looks like they're going to get, you know, hopefully they're getting some some mileage out of of Michael McHenry right now.
2: My it, God, I mean, it's you know,
0: crazy. I we, mean, we, la-
2: we laughed on Twitter because some of the beat writers kind of, I think, misinterpreted uh, some of the, the columnists and some of the guys on Twitter misinterpreted this move and said, you know, Friars on the forty man, McHenry's getting DFA. That was kind of really, relatively funny, and and I, you know, I took some pleasure in straight in, straightening some people out. <laughs> but man, has McHenry taken the bit by the, you know. Uh, the bull by the horns or the, the bit in the teeth or whatever the expression is, and just killed it.
0: <laughs> right. I mean, that, and that's not, you know, this is not something that, that Hurdle's playing the hot hand. I mean, he, this McHenry's in the lineup because he pretty much has to be. But it's it's funny how well it's worked out. You know, it's you never want to, you know, brag about a, a player too much when he's at the sort of peak of a hot streak. McHenry's OPS is actually up to 798 right now. Is he a 798 OPS player? No. My God, though, it's, isn't that a crazy? Seven
2: ninety eight. Yeah, but
0: that's I mean, it's it's really amazing, and he's he's brought his average up. It was one sixty seven five games ago, and he's brought it up to two thirty eight now. So, uh, yeah, he just came up huge again last night. Uh, he did,
2: and there's another guy. Uh, you know, we've talked about Casey McGee being hot. Uh, I think, you know, Andrew McCutcheon continues to scald the ball and do everything that we hope. And I, I think, we, you know, one of the things that we're used to seeing kind of relatively frequently is highlight reel catches from Andrew McCutcheon. And for no other reason than I don't think he's had the opportunities this year, I think maybe we saw the first highlight reel catch. And I, I've missed a couple games, so I won't say that, uh, that that's definitely true. But it's the first one that I've seen really a, a really good catch in, uh, in left center, in right center field uh, last night. But the guy who just continues to disappoint and, you know, we've had conversations about this whole how are we classifying him? Is it a race thing? Is it a whatever? It's not. It's Jose is playing bad baseball. He looks disinterested. He looks like he's not hustling. It doesn't have anything to do with the fact that he doesn't speak English. It doesn't have anything to do with the color of his skin. I'm sure he cares, but uh, it's just been bad. And, you know, I don't know, Charlie, what do you think? Is it time to sit him down for a week? Because Clint has done that. Plenty of times we saw it with uh, last year with Lyle Overbay. We've seen it with Garrett Jones a couple times. He gave Barmas a couple days off. Uh, we've seen him do this. Uh, Alex Presley even got sent down. Do you sit Jose for a week?
0: I don't know. I mean, they're playing pretty competitive baseball right now. I, I'm not. I'm honestly, without having thought about it too much, I'm honestly not positive that Tabet isn't giving them the best chance to win out there right now.
2: That's interesting. And why do you think? Uh, because I mean, they're starting Drew Sutton in now. left
0: field right now.
2: Well, you uh, know, I'm. I guess I'm. A, I guess I'm a little higher on Drew Sutton than you are because I think Drew Sutton's better than uh, any of the middle infielders that we've employed this year. So I, I think his approach is better. He's a switch hitter. Uh, so uh, you know, I think Drew Sutton is a huge upgrade on the bench from what the Pirates have had. Now, should he play every day over Jose Tabata? Probably not. But I, I mean. Really, the numbers for Tabata now, uh, I mean, it's not a small sample size anymore. And and Clint has said this to his credit. He has said, look, he is having a really tough season. And yet last night he said his fielding is bad. And I tweeted, uh, he said the part of his game, his fielding is bad. Well, every part of his game is bad. And the thing that I think they pointed to that's good, and I think I kind of laughed about this the other night, is they said is uh, throwing stronger and more accurate, and I agree with that. And and last, the other night he gets two errors on two reasonably good throws because Barajas and and uh, Barmus and Pedro screw up the plays, uh, which was kind of ironic. So he gets two errors on the, the plays he didn't deserve, and he's been playing as poorly as he has. But is there a time frame, or are you just are you willing to you know to take another two weeks and, and wait and see, or how would you approach it?
0: Well, I think the thing is that you know the. The the real problem here is that there just isn't a lot of talent at this position really Correct. anywhere.
2: Correct, and and l- l- I'll throw it at you because we're starting to see the clamoring for Starling Marte.
0: Yeah, well, I think that uh, you know Tim Williams said the other day on on Twitter, I believe that you know Marte needs to come up on his own timetable. It, it needs to not be dictated by the team. Um, well said, right? Yeah, and I and I agree with that, but I do think that the Pirates should consider. If they stay in contention these next couple of weeks I think they they need to consider looking looking at the outside for for help at corner outfield I mean they have to pretty much yeah or, or first I, base.
2: Th- I think so uh, let me ask you this the, again this is a hypothetical now we're a month away so it's a real hypothetical but if the Car- you know what level would it be if the Cardinals and the Reds you know the second wild card here is obviously something to consider but if the Cardinals and the Reds uh, are seven or eight games ahead of the Pirates and the wild cards five games uh, We're out of touch five games for the second wild card uh, is that enough to, to trade to upgrade or is that a point where you trade to you know build for you know 13 and 14
0: I think you probably got to say you're done if that happens I know. And we've heard
2: these guys say that, you know, even in September with St. Louis and Tampa coming from 10 games back, that teams maybe aren't going to approach it that way. But that's probably the wrong idea.
0: Uh, Obviously, obviously you agree. Well, I think you have to make an honest assessment of where your team's at if that happens. You know, if – you know if the cardinals were to drop yeah. seven or eight games back that would mean something different to me yeah i
2: think that's um, a very good point
0: because i mean that i think that you look at that lineup you look at that starting rotation and you think that's uh, that is a, a very good baseball team i think if if the pirates drop that far back i think you have to take an honest look at the roster and say you know the, we're probably lucky to have lasted as long as we did and you know we have you know, a broader long-term context to think about in terms of, of adding talent to the organization. Fortunately, we don't have to worry, worry about that quite yet.
2: Yeah. Uh, One of the things we do have to worry about is some of these roster moves that have been taking place and the one because Chris uh, LaRue, you know, I know some of the fans are very interested in this stuff and obviously I am and some are less interested. And I think, You know, we try to preface some of this roster conversation with back end of the team doesn't make a particularly huge amount of significance. And then when you're talking about the back end of the 40 man, I like the analogy of this isn't shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic. This is shuffling the ashtrays next to the the (laughs) Titanic. So we had some of that go on this week. And maybe the reason it was a little more high profile is the Pirates cut ties with Danny Moskis. And I guess what was surprising about that is the next day they made a move, which was yesterday on Wednesday, and they uh, – Oscar Tejada, uh,
0: Tejada.
2: Tejada. Tejada. Okay, I'm going to get it wrong every time. <laughs> Oscar Tejada uh, gets claimed from the Red Sox, a guy who – if you're a sabermetrician and looking at his numbers, you'd be pretty disappointed. But as Vlad and some others have pointed out, he's always been considered a prospect uh, with the Red Sox by Baseball America and some other organizations, and he's a scouty type of guy. You can see he has the tools – um, you know, this is obviously what we suspected when you looked at the numbers, and he's only 22, he's been old for his league, but the surprising thing is then they let Doug Slayton go, and I guess that tells you really what they thought of Danny Moskis.
0: Right, because there's really not much depth left of, of left-handed pitching at this point, and we've 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 gone from it being really important to Clint Hurdle that the Pirates have two lefties <laughs> right. to, in their bullpen to creating a situation where it's it's <laughs> going to be difficult for him to have two lefties at all, right. uh, unless he starts drawing from the, the pool of starting left-handed starting pitchers. I mean, basically, you know,
2: place. you're going to have guys making major league debuts. I mean, because Locke's probably the least likely to come, mm-hmm. you know, maybe. To come up out of the pen, I guess Justin Wilson might be first, but you know we're talking about guys making major league debuts and we're talking about starters coming out to Pittsburgh and, and uh, being lefties. So, right,
0: yeah. yeah, and I, I'll say I I endorse this. I'm I'm totally fine with this. Yep. You know the the you know amount of certainty you get from a a, a veteran who is bad, um, a Doug Slayton, a Kevin Correa. We've kind of talked about this issue with regard to Correa, is small. You know the the kind of certainty you get from a Kevin Correa or a Doug Slayton is is really not worth valuing very highly, and I'd rather have the the Pirates take a shot uh, if we're talking about the bullpen again on someone like Justin Wilson who has the chance to be you know a shutdown reliever someday. And you know, even if he's not, is really not that likely to be much worse than Doug Slayton in the long term.
2: Well the good thing is I think they can bring these guys up as loogies or they can have him pitch an inning here and an inning there in low leverage situations because right now we've seen I mean, I don't know I don't know that I've ever felt more confident and I felt awfully good about Juan Cruz coming into the season. But I don't know if any Pirate fan could feel more confident about what they have going in the late innings than Lincoln, Grilly, and and Hanrahan right now. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, Lincoln's pitched over 20, I think, 20, 21 innings. He's given up one run. Grilly's been fantastic. Hanrahan looked very good last night, and he's generally been very good. Maybe not as lights out as last year, but that's really, really good stuff at the end. And and, uh, you know, I, I, you laughed at me a little bit when I said Juan Cruz could be designated, but we're going to have another situation here, uh, which I'll just go through the machinations really quickly, is LaRue's going to come off. And there's obviously a chance where the Pirates just designate Chris LaRue. I'm betting against that. And then that means to me that you've got to make a choice between Resop and uh cruise and i I guess resop probably goes first or you could send jared hughes down but i don't know that i see that but if you want to say as we've talked about keeping guys in the organization you could send hughes down for 10 days and see what happens the other thing that you and i have talked about and we wrote about is fryer's going to get dfa'd and there's going to be a spot uh on the 40 man and does that mean jeff clement comes up and takes that matt hake spot or do they bring Matt Hague back when his 10 days clears and you know maybe Navarro comes up for a couple of days and then it's Haig? how would you play that and do you think there's a chance that free Jeff Clement which now has gone off the radar actually happens here in the next couple days
0: well uh, first of all it's i believe it's actually pronounced Clement and i remember when he was when he was you know the pirates First baseman for like three blinks of an eye. Yeah,
2: there, there was a you, big you thing I'd about that. Think get it, right, then. even though I you know broadcast the team for a
0: year. Yeah, you're get Clement. Thinking, That's how long uh, he's been in the minor leagues. We don't, don't know, even remember. Jesus.
2: You know, right? I can't. You know, between Tabata and, and uh, McGee and Clement Clement. Uh, okay, so anyway, yeah, I think tough. Jeff's going to come? You know, we had to talk about Tabata at the beginning of the season. You think there's a chance Jeff's on the roster here in three or four days?
0: Well, they didn't bring him up for the for the uh, DH series in in interleague parks. But then again, you flip it around and you say, is there, is there really any point to bringing Matt Higg back at this none. point? None. Absolutely none. So, I mean, I, I think we probably agree that that's what we'd like to see. But, you know, who knows? I mean, we, you know, the thing is... With with these Charlie, um, we could
2: have my dream roster here. We could have my dream roster that I basically uh have been looking for out of camp and it would have been Jake Fox at the time, but we could have kind of the utility infielder that we like in, in Sutton. Okay, I'm fine with Harrison being on the roster, and then we could have uh, Clement, and and so you've got some power on the bench. I've got Larue as my long man in the bullpen. He's, he's your boy, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's my boy. He really was my first boy. Larue's my second boy. Let's be clear. And <laughs> and uh, and so we got, got Larue as that guy. You know, we've got Correa in there, and and we've still got to get that sorted out. But really, the roster kind of taking the shape that I've really hoped for for a long time.
0: I'd be thrilled if this happens. How big would it be if because it's easy to forget that Larue was actually very good last year. How big would it be if he came if, if if he came back to the team here in a couple weeks and he was really good again?
2: Oh, it'd be so big. But remember now he's got only a 30-day rehab thing and that's over in a couple days. So it's not. They're gonna have to make. It's this not a decision. couple weeks. It's soon. Oh uh, yeah, a couple Great. days. Okay. So yeah. So it, I think it'd be huge because then you got that guy. Now look. So Riesep hasn't been. He's had a decent June. He had a terrible May, but he's had a decent June. But. You know, somebody's going to go and whoever it is, but he is a legitimate kind of three inning, two inning, three inning guy all the time. And you know if you if you get in a situation like the Phillies got in last night, he's a guy who you would start for that game, and he could give you maybe four or five innings. So all of that stuff he fits into the roster really well. And then I, I think it actually gives you a, a chance here. And you know I, I I have been against this as much as anybody, but when we get on the other side of the All Star break, if Larue's throwing well and stuff like that, I really think about DFAing uh, uh, Kevin Correa, depending on maybe how the next couple starts go, because obviously if he pitches as well as he did. Uh, Sunday, then you know you're just gonna keep throwing him out there. But if he get runs into a rough patch, then you decide which of the three guys from Indianapolis you want to bring up and you put him in the rotation as the fifth guy.
0: You know the thing with these these back end uh, the the back end of the roster things though is that you know you you look to these moves to maybe you know read the tea leaves about what the the pirates management might be thinking about you know broader organizational principles. Their ideal of how a bench or how a bullpen should be constructed, what kinds of players they like, what kinds of players they're not so interested in, and you look at the 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 back end of the the roster to to find these things out, and you don't learn anything. You know what I mean? You, you, you get these these guys like like Tejeda, and you know you, you just never you know figure out exactly what's going on. You have a guy like Kevin Correa who's been on the roster the entire year, you know, for reasons that are kind of dubious, and uh, just the organization has its own priorities for these things, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you
2: know, with the Cray thing, as we've said all along, he's an insurance, He's, you know, his peripherals are bad, the results have been average, and uh, at the end of the day, for history, that's what's important, the results, and and, uh, so... You know, we've said I think I said at the very beginning of the year, I think you keep career around till the end of July and then he probably gets DFA. You know, he's a useful guy to have around as the, you know, essentially, even though he's in the starting rotation in my mind, he's the 24th or 25th guy. Uh, He fills the role that he fills. But, yeah, you know, I don't know that we know a lot. I think what it does speak to is. Uh, even though Neil Huntington has been more lavish with his praise of the guys in Indianapolis, is they were very disappointed with them last year, and obviously yeah. coming to spring training because these guys have pitched okay down there, but uh, they're not. Let's not let's not confuse ourselves and think that anybody down there is coming to the rescue. They are going to be replacement level, or hopefully just slightly better than that. And so, Charlie, uh, this coming for the next three weeks, I'm going to be filling in for Joe Bendel on 970 ESPN. So we'll have plenty of baseball talk, and I'll have you on there as well as uh, some other folks to talk Pirates. But uh, I think Charlie and I are going to try and come back at you sometime and get some uh, some West, West teams, Houston, even though they're the Central Division, and San Francisco, get some previews of what's going on there, and then maybe recap the draft when things are finished up by July 13th. And I hope everybody who's listening to this saw Charlie's couple articles yesterday uh, talking about dealing with Scott Boris. I think he was right on and some, some interesting points he made, but Charlie, let me ask you, uh, we've got four games. It's Thursday at noon. We've got four games till we probably get back at things on Monday. How many of these
0: four games are the pirates going to win? I think probably two is the most reasonable prediction, but I think if, if, if they ended up one and three, I wouldn't be that surprised. Uh, what, I got, what do you
2: think? I, I think they go one and three, and a couple things. Uh, just, to, it just it just it's going to be hot for the boys out there. It just said that the the temperatures are going to be 108, 101, and 105 in St. Louis over the weekend. That sounds like big
0: numbers cool. to me. Yeah, it's brutal. I guess that they're used to that down there, though. All right. Well,
2: uh, we're going to watch AJ Burnett pitch to Mike McHenry for the first time this season. A.J. going for his eighth win in a row, eighth consecutive st- win in eight consecutive starts, which will tie Doc Ellis's uh, record from 1974.
0: So, Charlie, you want to close us out? Yeah, uh, on the other side of the podcast, we're going to have Dan Moore to preview the St. Louis Cardinals series, so we'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to the Bucks Thug Out podcast. I'm here with Dan Moore, who is the editor of VivaAlbertos.com, which is SB Nation's St. Louis Cardinals blog, as well as uh, SB Nation St. Louis. Dan, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. So your your Cardinals team has had a, a very productive offense so far this year is very much in contention so far in the nl central and i i think i wish this weren't true but i i think that you probably have every reason to be optimistic about your team's chances going forward what do you think
1: uh yeah i feel the same way there have been a lot of uh really frustrating injuries and frustrating stretches where it seemed like no matter how many uh how many runs the cardinals had scored over the course of the season they would never score another one again but over the last few weeks, they seem to have gotten it back together. And, um, you know, when you have a run differential like they have right now, it's hard not to feel uh, a little optimistic.
0: What's your evaluation? I know you've written creatively about this on Viva Albertos, but for for those who aren't avid readers, what's what's your evaluation of, of Mike Matheny so far?
1: I like everything he does before and after the game starts. Um, he seems to keep a good... Uh, you know, a nice moderate tone in the clubhouse. He uh, puts players in positions to succeed when he sets the lineup card. And he says all the right things about, um, you know, at least paying attention to sabermetrics during postgame interviews. Uh, but once the game starts, he seems really beholden to bunting and intentional walking and just finding any possible way to... Uh, get his imprint on the game, even if it's counterproductive. I'm sorry,
2: is- he was asking you about Mike Matheny, not Clint Hurdle, because that's <laughs> exactly the uh, the take in Pittsburgh. I mean, Clint has been a he's been a great leader. He has been a force in the clubhouse for for you know unifying these guys, changing the culture, changing the atmosphere. And as a guy, he's a wonderful guy. And I think uh, you know anybody who's met him or spent time with the team will tell you those things. Yet you know those of us who follow the team closely, kind of pull our hair out uh, watching this team play every day, which was kind of personified again last night with Andrew McCutcheon leading off with a double in the eighth inning and sending up Josh Harrison, who had failed in his last two sacrifice bunt attempts to pinch hit and to bunt. And he found out the Pirates didn't score a run, ended up losing by a run. And, uh, you know, it's just interesting to hear uh, a guy like Matheny, who, you know, obviously in the game like Hurdle, uh, a catcher hurdle spent some time at catcher, you know, and particularly with the offensive power that the Cardinals have, would tend to even occasionally play small ball.
1: Yeah, it's it's really strange how that happens, but it seems like uh, managers just can't give up that illusion of control that they have. You know, they they want to be control in control over every inning, and that's just not possible.
2: Yeah, I'll just follow up here, just the, the couple guys that uh the Pujols thing is obviously a has been the was the big offseason move Beltran has been fantastic uh are people in St. Louis kind of uh, past this or they obviously they've embraced Beltran just like uh, I'm sure they embraced Berkman and Holiday when you produce like that the fan base is going to love you what's the kind of atmosphere in St. Louis around the club in terms of uh having moved on?
1: Um, I think people have completely moved on. I haven't really heard much about Poole since he, um, you know, since the slump ended. Uh, people kind of just said, well, okay, he's going to continue to do his thing and then kind of forgot about it, which certainly surprised me. Uh, not that I'm complaining. It's, the fan reaction to this team has been kind of strange, uh, which is fitting given how strange the team has been. We know they're good. And we know they have these stretches like they just, uh, ran off where they seem invincible, but they've had such weird, uh, run distribution and so many st- weird injuries that it's hard to imagine them as the juggernauts that they could be. There's the sense that they, uh, that they're underachieving and that they're lucky to even be where they are sometimes, which is couldn't be further from the truth.
0: Beltron is signed for two years and $26 million, if I remember correctly. If he continues to produce this way, where will that contract rank among like the best contracts that this front office has ever signed a player to? Uh,
1: I think it would be their, their best work yet. This front office's weakness, at least so far as I can tell, has been um, the occasional urge to extend a player a little too early. They... They uh, extended Chris Carpenter with a year left on his last contract right before he missed the next two seasons uh, with shoulder and elbow problems. And that kind of personified the Cardinals front office's main weakness, for me at least. Um, this Beltran deal, uh, the way they managed to manipulate the payroll leverage they had with Pool is gone, was just masterful for me. You know, they knew they had a big short-term surplus and they spent it in exactly the right place
2: tell me a little bit about the bullpen everybody knows the situation with the starters i guess you know lynn has been the surprise guy but i think people look at the starting staff as being relatively solid uh what's going on in the pen jason mott has solidified himself as the closer and and, uh are you guys comfortable with where where things stand out there
1: uh, I think that my backlash has kind of begun. He's given up a few home runs recently and you know, that's all it takes for a closer to become an anathema on talk radio. Uh, but he's not been the problem just because there have been so many other problems in the bull time. Fernando Salas, who was the closer for most of last year has, um, given up a bunch of hits and, uh, lost a little of the control that made him so sharp last season. Um, Eduardo Sanchez has been a disaster. Uh, he appears to have no control at all. And Mike Matheny has exacerbated that by uh, having him throw four intentional walks in 14 innings, which may be not the best idea. We're seeing all of the depth, both in the rotation and in the bullpen that we weren't expecting to see until 2013. And it's, clear that there isn't a whole lot there isn't more slack to give so if the Cardinals make a move in uh, June or July I think it's going to be on the pitching staff and probably in the rotation to try to stabilize the bullpen
2: and can you just update us on Carpenter's status at the moment?
1: Uh, he had a setback last week and right now they seem... They haven't even given any uh, updates on his status, so I'm not very optimistic right now. I'm sure every franchise deals with this, but it seems like every season or two, the Cardinals have a guy who starts out in March looking to miss two or three weeks and then just has periodic updates to push him back another month or so until he never plays. Um, We call it Troy Gloss' disease on Viva Albertos. And it seems like Chris Carpenter is the latest victim of that.
0: Dan, this this series will be Pirates will be facing Adam Wainwright, Lance Lynn, and Jake Westbrook. We've seen some of these guys before, but uh, maybe a, a little progress report on Lance Lynn would be would be nice to hear. This is someone who the Pirates have played twice this year. He's pitched very well against them, but last two starts he's he's kind of come apart a little bit. Is that a source of concern for for Cardinals fans that he might be wearing down a bit?
1: Um, I'm not concerned that he's as bad as he's looked over the last two starts, but um, you know I, I don't think he was ever a true Cy Young candidate this season, and I think we're going to see uh, maybe the Lancelin we expected going into this season for the rest of the year. I mean, he's a big guy. He'll throw a lot of innings. Um, I'm not worried about that, but I don't expect him to have many more 12-strikeout games in him.
2: when when you guys look here we're basically at the halfway point uh if you were going to pick i I assume you would pick lance lynn and maybe carlos beltran as the surprises What have been the disappointments for the team so far this year
1: and if there's Uh, a
2: surprise that, that i'm off the mark on uh help me out with that as well
1: it's been tough to uh to miss chris carpenter this entire season um you know he threw 270 innings last year so i don't know how surprising it was uh but it's been difficult I think the, you know, honestly, this just hasn't been a, a team that's disappointed in any way, except its overall record. Every individual, you look at them and they appear to be having a career year. I mean, Yadier Molina is hitting like Johnny Bench, and uh, you know, David Freeze is hitting. Um, like we expected him to after that postseason, and everyone else is having at least the year we expected, and often much better. But overall, the team is underperforming. So I think it's uh, it's just a record issue right now. Pythagoras has been the biggest disappointment, <laughs> um, and you know the I think the back of the bullpen has a lot to do with that. You don't really look at the bullpen's numbers on an individual basis so much. So if a team underperforms there by a lot, uh, it seems like everybody's having a career year and nobody's taking advantage of it.
2: Let let me ask you about the Pythagorean thing because we talk about it a lot. And Charlie and I have been banged around a little bit for being pessimistic by pointing at statistics uh, that suggest maybe uh, the team's due for a regression because the Pirates are – three or four games under their Pythag- ahead of their Pythagorean record and the Cards are five games under their Pythagorean record. Uh, is that something that anybody in St. Louis focuses on or you focus on when you're writing or talking about or is it uh, because you guys are underperforming and you're still doing well that's something that's kind of left to the side a little bit?
1: Uh, I think certainly the uh, the writers and the readers on Viva Albertos think about it. Um, I think that's cut... A lot of the pessimism, maybe out of the sight that would have been there if this team were 40 and 35 and deserved to be 40 and 35. Right. Um, but uh, certainly not in the in the broader sense. Um, a lot of people are worried about this team, in spite of the great offense and the great pitching staff, and it's just kind of a general malaise because they don't know what to
0: identify that as. Dan, one player who, you know, maybe if I could help you out with one of the previous questions, might be a bit of a disappointment is Matt Adams, who's a player who has Western Pennsylvania roots. What is your take on him so far?
1: Um, I'm not too worried about his uh, his Major League debut just because I wasn't expecting it to happen this early. Um, you know, it seemed like he was going to be a guy who'd play all year in AAA and then uh, maybe take Berkman's spot in 2013. Um obviously that didn't happen and his strikeout rate was um a little disconcerting in his short major league stint. Um long term I'm worried about his ability to be anything more than an average first baseman just because his plate discipline is so um so unusual for a guy of his size and strength. Um he's a little too much of a free swinger uh, given how little positional flexibility he has. And I think that's going to keep him from being, you know, an all-star or anything like that. But I don't think in the long term it'll keep him from being um, an average major leaguer as he adjusts and gets his strikeout rate back down.
2: And Alan Craig back in the lineup. Where would we expect to see him every day going forward?
1: Yeah, I I, I think the Cardinals are still a little worried about his legs. Um, he's kind of... He's clearly been – he's lost a step this year uh, because of various hamstring and knee injuries, and I think they're going to be nervous about that for the rest of the season. But right now this team can't afford to leave him out of the lineup. He's just hit too well, um, and he's been too crucial a part of the offense. Uh,
2: and, and so will we see him – where will we see him this weekend? You know, this weekend.
1: Oh, uh, primarily first base. Uh, they seem reluctant to put him in the outfield uh, for good reasons. Once you see him run, you'll it'll be obvious to you that he's 80% at best. Um, he's not a great first baseman, but, you know, it's better that you stand there and hit than attempt to run.
0: Uh, Dan, thanks for joining us. Um, you can read Dan's work on VivaAlbertos.com and also on St. Louis.sbnation.com. You can read our work on Twitter at Bucks Dugout and for David at DT on Pirates. Thanks for listening to the Bucks Dugout Podcast.